0: This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers—they're here to help.
1: He has time launches it to the end
2: zone. Touchdown! Terrence Williams. Bro goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. Oh he puts. Oh, he's the oh, one! Red Raider, up the ball. ten. Puts he up the right sideline.
1: He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS champion.
0: Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host Ishmael Johnson here in the studio with producer Malpal. Mallory, how you doing?
2: Doing well. How are you? It's good to see you again. Yeah,
0: welcome back. Welcome
2: <laughs> it's back. It's been, been, a co- been a
0: couple episodes. Since yeah. On, so. And of course, Mike Craven back in undisclosed location in Central Texas for now, mostly for travel purposes as he goes to the big game this weekend that we will talk about soon. Mike, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, I came back down to Austin., uh, so Taco has a place to stay while I'm in El Paso for the uh, big game of the week that we'll be talking about a little bit later.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure, I'm excited to definitely discuss that one. Uh, I should also mention this. please decide, please subscribe, rate and review us on uh, uh, Apples, Podcast, Spotify. I don't know exactly what other platforms we're on, but anywhere you can get your podcast, it's fine. Uh, Please just subscribe, rate, and review us. It helps us out a bunch. Be sure, if you like what we're talking about here, be sure to read the stuff that Mike Craven puts out on texasfootball.com. Uh, the podcasts are also up there if you're not a podcast person you can stream it from the site. Uh, Mallory make sure those all go up on in a timely fashion. So uh, yeah if you if you just love the sound of my voice, you love the sound of Mallory's voice or Mike's or maybe you just want to read Mike and you don't want to listen to him <laughs> you can go to texasfootball.com and get uh, get his uh, content that way as well.
1: That's the most advisable way, probably.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. I'd, I'd probably say that. I, I definitely like my writing than I like my uh, better than I like my voice. Same. so yeah, I think
2: it's good? it's just like a. I feel like everybody's the same way. Nobody likes the sound of their voice, yeah. no matter who you are. I, yeah, I don't like. the I don't the sound know anyone. I
0: don't know anyone who likes the sound of their mm-hmm. voice. So mm-hmm. anyway, uh, we got some news and notes. A little bit of news and notes before we get into the games this weekend. One of them. Well, let's let's talk about this a little bit. Conference realignment's been going on, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we don't have to go too far in depth on this just because nothing's official yet. These are all still hearsays. Um, but it looks like Conference USA is looking to hold on. Uh, as we know, the they've lost a lot to the AAC, rumored to be losing a lot to the Sun Belt now, or actually confirmed to be losing a lot to the Sun Belt now with uh, Marshall, ODU, um, and Southern Miss. And I believe just recently Western Kentucky... And I'm forgetting one more. Is it Middle Tennessee going to the MAC? Yep. Yes, Middle Tennessee going to the MAC. So they're deciding. Well, we got to try and survive <laughs> somehow. Uh, and so Reese. So the way that relates to us is they're looking to be reaching down to FCS. Sam Houston is one of the options that they're looking at. Uh, Brett McMurphy tweeted out Liberty, uh, New Mexico State, which are FBS independents, and then FCS members Sam Houston and Jacksonville State. Now. We love Sam Houston here. Love the defending national champs or reigning national champs. That's a big stick with me. It's a reigning, not defending. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if they're ready for this kind of move yet, as far as resources goes. And I'm wondering how this kind of, what this kind of does for conference USA is overall stature because these are, these aren't exactly fledging programs with insane resources with insane facilities I think Sam Houston's a program that in a couple years could be, um, especially when, when the WACO, as, as a conference, might be moving up um, eventually. But I'm, I'm kind of curious to see the logic in terms of jumping up this quickly right now. Yeah,
1: Conference USA starting to look like a halfway house right? you know, between yeah. FBS and, and FCS. and I think if you're Sam Houston, even if you're not ready for the jump, You almost have to take it because what if it doesn't come around again in five, ten years when you are ready for it? So it almost becomes like that first real job we all took after college where it's like, and I'm not at all qualified for this, (laughs) but I got to figure it out and make it work. And on the job, I'll get qualified for it. And I think that's just where they're at, where the decision sits between, sure, we can admit we're not ready at all for this. But once we are ready, who's to know if it'll come back again? So you just got to jump on and and hope you figure it out and know that you're going to be around some programs who are also doing the same thing. And so, yeah, yeah, it will be a little bit top-heavy. You will have programs. If this all goes through, you will have Mm -hmm. a program like UTEP who's kind of been solidified in FBS and has that all down and has it figured out in in a better way. And you'll have Sam Houston catching up. But if you're Sam Houston, you don't want to look up in five, six, seven years and see Stephen F. or a couple other schools, Incarnate Word, in spots where you could have been had you just taken that leap of faith.
0: Yeah. I think that the other thing that Sam has to consider, and this is for a couple years down the line, right? There's the rumor that Texas and Oklahoma will go to the, the SEC next year, but that still hasn't, ever since that rumor came up, that still hasn't progressed in any way. So right now, this is all 20, 30, 2023 at the earliest. Um, And there are some facility things for Sam Houston, right? I believe their stadium only seats about 15,000 capacity, right? That's not FBS level. Um, So there's going to have to be some kind of big renovations. And I'll say if they do decide to make the jump, credit to them for trusting that program and trusting and investing in that for the future because that is kind of the next step because eventually you just kind of get stalled in this North Dakota state kind of territory of like, cool, you're kind of an FCS power and that's all you're going to be. It's As opposed to, like, the Georgia Southerns, the App States that, that kind of reached that pinnacle and then decided that there was another level that they could as- aspire to. I do think that was always a goal for Sam Houston. But, again, it's just going to come down to can they, make, can they get the money to happen and for everything to happen. Now, I do know that it's pretty tight, uh, tight-lipped over there. I think Yahoo tried to reach out to the administration. Nothing was said. Um, I know a couple people on staff over there. Not, they don't know anything, or at least they're not telling me anything. So, like, it's very much a we'll see what happens. But of course, if Brett McMurphy tweeted it out, then it's obviously been a discussion point um, for these programs. So,
1: Yeah. I mean, I reached out too, and, and kind of got a, you know, just couldn't really comment, you know, type mm-hmm. thing right now. And yeah, it's understandable. You get why they need to be tight lipped about that stuff right now. What, who I'm excited for is the prospect. Of, you know, this could be a really good thing for East Texas. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. To kind of add an FBS program out there in a talent area that is untapped that does have some guys kind of floating around there that kind of go unseen and, and get through the cracks. So it could put a shine on some of those kids and they could become the program of East Texas and really use that momentum um, to be, you know, a really good football team. I think they could compete with some of those teams we're talking about mm-hmm. in a couple of years if we can get the infrastructure put in in place and, and figure that out.
0: Oh, yeah, 100 percent. And one of the other the, one of the uh, moves that I wanted to talk about, that was a little bit of a domino effect, is uh, McNeese State and Incarnate Word, departing the Southland now and going to the WAC uh, uh, obviously kind of replacing Sam Houston who was going to the WAC Um, and now I mean it was kind of funny that that those Southland conference teams going to the WAC was kind of in response to programs like New Orleans, Houston Baptist, UIW kind of entrenching themselves in better markets and now Incarnate Word just follows them to the to the uh, to the WAC I think that's pretty interesting but um that looks definitely more likely to happen and uh i think pete tham was the one that put that out there uh, i believe this is the that was on the second when that went out there so uh let's see if there was anything oh okay and lastly uh, news and notes yesterday uh recording this on wednesday november 3rd yesterday november 2nd was the first college football playoff now Thank God for Texas and Texas A&M getting their losses out of the way, because then now we don't have to discuss really the minutiae mm-hmm. and like, oh, why are they ranked seventh instead of yep. fifth or whatever? I don't care about that. I hate that discussion when it comes to college football. But of course, there was some discussion that happened when it came out that UTSA was completely unranked. Mm-hmm. Now- there was, also more, there was also some pretty funny uh, stuff that happened when, I forgot who it was, but the representative at the time came on and called them USTA <laughs> when, he just, when he was talking on ESPN. So it just shows how much... Uh, People
2: don't know. right? It just
0: shows how much they're paying attention to the national scene. But regardless, here's my, my thing on the playoff has always has never changed. I never, will, I never liked the idea of a playoff. I definitely don't like the idea of an expanded playoff because what it does, I get the argument why, right? You want more group of five teams. You want the Cincinnati's to have a shot. You want, mm-hmm. you know, Coastal to have a shot, all this stuff. My thing always with the playoff was there are haves and have nots in college football. The haves control the playoff, they're literally staffing the, the p- committee. They're, if we expand the playoff to 12 or whatever, Right. Yes. UTSA absolutely is one of the best 25 teams in the, in the country in a just, you know, in the most just world where everything was absolutely the way it should be. Yeah, sure. They would probably find their way into some sort of representation in the postseason. Sure. Whatever. If we expand this playoff to 12, 16, whatever teams, they're getting one of those group of five teams in there. Cincinnati's getting that spot mm-hmm. and that's it. And, like, there's no use for me in wasting a lot of my breath arguing, like, well, we need to guarantee bids and blah, blah, blah. We have, we have six New Year Six Bowls, right? We have 12 spots that can go potentially to as many Group of Five teams as we want. The four teams are obviously in the playoffs, so we don't even have to include the, the four best teams in the country. The Group of Five gets one spot at the New Year's Six that's showing you right there what an expanded playoff would more or less be. Mm -hmm. They would get that one spot, cool, highest ranked group of 5 team, go get beat by the number one seed, right? And then we get you out of the way. So yes, I get people's frustration with UTSA not being ranked. I get that, right? I get the frustration with Cincinnati being sixth and all this stuff and all this discussion that happens. But one, that's what they want. They want the discussion to happen. This literally doesn't matter until the last rankings come out. Um, And second... College football is about, about more than that. I've just learned. to uh, Craven knows, too. Mallory, you, two, you, you you guys went to a group of five schools as well. College football is so much more than just, well, UTSA is not ranked in the college playoffs, so therefore, man. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Oh, there goes that. Jeff Traylor's not a head, not a good head coach anymore. You know, it's more than that.
2: So. Right.
0: And, and Yeah, I
1: mean, expanding the playoffs is only going to give us more rematches of power five schools. Right. It's I, mean, gonna, right. It's gonna like I was going
2: to say, at the end of the day, we all know who's going to be the national champion, you know, it's whether a, you have a 12 like team, playoff teams, a right. team playoff or a 14 playoff. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was going to say. Like UTSA doesn't any part of Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. You know, like they're, it's okay for there to be different parties you know like just because you you have like three or four parties on a night and you go to one and other people that doesn't mean like one has to be better or worse than (laughs) the other like you just need to know who you are and what you're doing and reaching bowl games and getting to new york the one of the six you know new year's bowls that that's enough that can be attainable you get to 12 people and 12 teams in the playoff yeah you may get a cincinnati and and stuff like that in there but you're never going to get you know the Sun Belt team or a Conference mm-hmm. USA team. It's just different levels of football, and that's and that's okay. It's not mm-hmm. that's, that's not an indictment on the system or anything like that. Not 128 schools are created equal, and it's and it's perfectly fine. The myth of college football can be like basketball. is is just that it's it's a myth. It's a different sport completely. With five people on a on a field, and it's not as physical. And there there's a lot of other aspects that go into that. Uh, With football programs, Alabama is always going to be better off than UTSA. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just this is what it is. And Georgia's Florida doesn't want any part of Georgia. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Like and so there's there's always clear uh, cases of what the best teams are. And for me, we never needed anything beyond the BCS. Mm -hmm. Like there are there are there are rarely more than two teams that really deserve recognition and the idea of to go play for a national championship. And usually we've already seen them play before that gets there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not, a, I, I am anti uh, college football playoff because to me, it's just going to create more rematches of power five schools. Cause if we get, let's say it was 12 teams, for example, this year and Alabama and Georgia playing the sec championship game, why would either one of them even play their starters?
0: Right. Yeah,
1: And so it, it'll just turn into the NFL where everybody doesn't have to tune in until December, and, and that's yeah. not that's not what they want. And so, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm with you all. I just have never really understood the idea of we're going to make it 12, and then that's going to make it to where UTEP can compete for a national championship. No, right. that's not how it works.
0: If you're, Yeah, if your season is defined by how close you are to a national championship, I, I would literally never pay attention to Texas State ever. Like, that's, that's just my thing. Like, uh, to me, the bowl projections in general – are more interesting to me because, again, it's more interesting matchups, right? I think uh, bowlseason.com put out their projections Mm -hmm. for today. And, like, everybody's talking about that. And I'm looking at those games like, yeah, I actually would care about UTSA versus LSU. That sounds, like, wild and crazy. Like, could could UTSA beat this LSU team? Probably because LSU is not very good this year. Um, I'd love to see a rematch between Houston and Tech. That'd be weird, right, Mm -hmm. if Tech gets bowl eligible. Those are the things that I actually care about, not just, like, well, why isn't UTSA twenty fourth in the country you know I don't know uh, it's it's a thing that I can go on about. It's unfortunately become the discussion in college football um because everybody wanted to play off for so long and now they got it and I was like, wait well, no, not like this. this is not what we've had in mind. It's like, well, this is what this is what it, this is what it is. So I don't know and
1: it just continues to be a lie, right? right like right. when the when the BCS was going on, it was like, well, if we have four teams in then that'll allow it to be fair <laughs> and it's like, no. And then it's going to go to eight Then it will go to 12 and then the 13th ranked team will be upset. Like there's no number out there. Yep. And so, um, yeah, this is always going to ha- be there's always this is always going to happen. And in an 85 scholarship sport where you're hitting each other every single play recruiting matters in a different way than it does in baseball and basketball and there just aren't enough guys in the world to compete with a team like georgia like Mm -hmm. they're they're, you know like they have like seven or eight more five stars than notre dame on their defensive loan right and that's notre dame yeah so I mean just, their conference rivals this,
0: head coach was like hey they have too many five stars on their team." Like, <laughs> right and that and that's it
1: that's a team that's already in the SEC yeah. right so th- this idea that like we're going to open this up and that's going to give us a chance well like it's, it's never given Kansas a chance <laughs> right. it's never
0: even given Texas Tech a chance
1: so yeah. why would it give anyone else a chance I just don't it's a fallacy that I just don't yeah. and really smart people buy into it and I just don't understand how it happens
0: I don't either so we're going to get on to some games that we care about yeah. that have absolutely no implication of the playoff and i can't <laughs> wait to talk about them uh so we're the only team that's on a bye this week is i believe texas tech yeah they have iowa state coming up they are still holding on to a slim possibility of a bowl but of course they need to pull off some upsets here so
2: without matt wells <laughs> without their head coach
0: so we'll see what sunny Cumbie has and still without their quarterback because Tyler check yeah. is still hurt so uh mallory what is our first official game this week
2: a yeah, good one. SMU at Memphis will play this Saturday, November 6th at 11 a.m. You can watch this game on ESPNU and the lines at 5. SMU is favored.
0: Yeah, Seth Hennigan, I believe, is not. His status is up in the air. He was hurt last week uh, with a shoulder, or he, at least it was a game time decision last week. Uh, their other quarterback, Peter Parrish, is not that good. Um, at least he did not play very well against UCF. So I'm wondering... If SMU kind of sees this as kind of blood in the water a little bit, Um, I believe he had three picks last week against UCF. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Peter Parrish, the backup quarterback. He was, let me see, I have it right here. 31 of 48, 215, no touchdowns, three interceptions, six sacks. Um, Memphis's offensive line has not been able to pass block very well. I believe they're about 80th, 70th or 80th uh, range in the country in terms of sacks allowed. So I think this is a defense. I think this is a team that SMU's defense can feast on, and they're not. Uh, Memphis's pass defense is not very good. I'll say that much too. They they're not the Memphis team that we're used to seeing. They're very much a, a reloading kind of scrappy. Memphis team that's now missing their best quarterbacks. So.
2: I wish this game was played earlier in the season this oh, yeah. year because yeah. I feel like Memphis just really kind of fell off after that UTSA comeback win earlier right. in the season. They were on a roll. They were sure. 3-0 to start off the season. And then once that UTSA game hit, they just kind of fell off into a rut. Well,
0: I was going to say, yeah, like th- like you look at their record and it's like, is their best win- – is their best – like I did mean, they didn't win the game, but like is their best performance the first half against UTSA? Right. Right? Because I, I don't see it the rest on their schedule. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. –
1: yeah, they've lost three of their last four, um, so clearly a, a team that's struggling. I think you would worry about this as maybe a, a look-past game for SMU had they not lost wh- last week. They should you know, come in uh, pretty motivated, obviously, mm-hmm. because they can't afford to lose another game if they, if they want to get to a conference championship game and get a rematch with Houston. So have to rebound here. I think if you're SMU, you, you're looking for your, your secondary to play better, and as you mentioned, if, if Hennigan's not playing, that becomes a lot easier. Um, and then also, you need to reestablish the run. I mean, we talk mm-hmm. about Tanner Mordecai and how good those wide receivers are, and, and they are. But early in the year when SMU's offense looked, you know, unbeatable, it was because there was balance. You know, yeah. there was Ulysses Bentley, Trey Siggers, Tyler Levine, like all those guys. Um, and then, you know, Bentley's been hurt, and he's kind of he's warmed up the last few games, and he got a couple carries against Houston, but he definitely hasn't been redeployed in a real way getting him back on the field opens up that smu offense hopefully he's getting closer and closer to that Mm -hmm. but if i'm a mustangs fan i for this game you should be able to win it you should be able to win it going away can we get that running game established again and kind of build some balance back in our offense so it's not just mordecai or bust
0: yep what's next mallory
2: next we have north texas playing at southern miss this saturday at two you can watch this game on espn plus the lines at four and a half in north texas is favored in this game, which doesn't really surprise me because Southern Miss is not good at anything. They can't score. They can't stop (laughs) stop teams from scoring. They've been shut out twice this year. Southern Miss just is not good, bottom line.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Ren Baker got an extension this week. I was trying to think of the good things to say about North Texas. Uh, Ren Baker got extended to 2029. Um, So what that kind of says to me is that a decision will probably be made soon on Seth Troll's future Mm -hmm. um, because you don't sign an extension – without having a firm idea of what you're gonna kind of do in the immediate future so i think he's obviously done a good job there so he deserved that extension but i thought that was some interesting timing where Mm -hmm. they're kind of in the Mm -hmm. middle of this miserable football season they're like hey by the way the ad's the ad's getting extended you're like well there's not nothing behind that like there's something going on there so um i don't know i just found that interesting timing um but yeah like you mentioned southern miss not really good at anything They the one strength on strength matchup is running the ball for North Texas against a average rush defense versus uh, for Southern Miss. And I mean, average, like literally like 65th in the country, like like very, very much okay Um, And so I guess this comes down to can Austin give you anything. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if you play to a stalemate there, they might not. They might just uh, dominate. uh, uh, DeAndre Torre might just dominate in the um, in the run game. But can Austinani give you anything to counterbalance that just in case you get a stalemate there in can't
2: the turn the ball over. Can't th- right. Can't, can't turn throw the ball over.
0: If you could have a, a touchdown or two, moving the ball a little bit, um, that's probably enough. Again, it might not even they might not even need Asanani to have a good game. Mm-hmm. They probably could run the ball pretty well. But yeah, um there's not much to say about that other than other than the run game, I feel like. I think
2: so too. It seems to me that they've been playing with a little bit of fire behind them ever since the AAC news broke a couple sure, of weeks ago. Sure. They played I think I really think they played pretty well against Liberty. They beat Rice last week. Mm-hmm. So I think they're playing off a little bit of that fire with, with you know the hope, you know, they're going to a better conference, better competition. Um, I think they're doing a lot better than they were at the beginning of the season. They just they look more confident. They look better than they what they have. I was
0: about to say at, earlier in the season. Yeah, Craven can attest. I mean that Marshall game yeah, that, that was that was definitely like the probably down point of this Latrell era for me. Yeah. Um, and they would have looked a lot better. And like a team that wants to forget that first mm-hmm. half, especially.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was at that Marshall game, and it looked like a team that had quit on Seth Luttrell, and it was, like, ready to write the obituary on his tenure. And, and to Mallory's point, you know, even in that loss to Liberty, they, at least they look like a team who's playing hard. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you know, sometimes talent is what talent is. Uh, but you can at least play hard. And they do look like a team who's still playing for each other, and that's a good sign to see. In this game, you know, it's just about which unit is worse, Southern Miss's <laughs> offense or North Texas's defense. Whoever yeah. can win that battle – uh, wins this game because i think north texas will be able to move the football and score mm-hmm. points against southern Miss's defense so um for me that that's the that's the battle here for this game i, I think the larger question though is is seth Latrell coaching for his job like you just mentioned mm-hmm. with the extension of the ad and stuff what does this look like is this a pairing that goes forward into the american
0: mm-hmm. it,
1: do you start fresh with that kind of on the horizon Uh, what do you do and how do you save a job and if he is coaching for his job what record do you need down the stretch to appease that because they still have UTEP they still have UTSA so two and two seems to be as as well as it could go down the stretch you know if you're four and eight at the end of the year is that enough to save Seth Latrell's job I, I don't know but I think the team is probably playing for that behind closed doors and I think that has to be the mindset here this may be all we have left together. Let's put out there on the field what we can be and see if that's enough at the
0: end of the year. Yep. for sure. All righty, what's next? Oh, God, we got another bad game. All right, <laughs> what's up?
2: <laughs> Texas State gets Louisiana Monroe at oh. home this Saturday at 2 p.m., you can watch this game on ESPN Plus if you'd like. Uh, Texas State is actually favored at three and a half. Yeah.
1: yeah. I like how you phrase that. You can watch this <laughs> You
2: absolutely certainly can. If you, if you can. want to.
0: <laughs> it, uh, is,
1: it is legal to do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can absolutely technically pay money to do this. Um, so I, I honestly don't know why Texas State's favored because ULM's not terrible. They have a win over Liberty. They have a win over South Alabama. Um, they beat Troy this year. Uh, I mean, I guess they got blasted by App State last week, but that's – I don't know. This is a team that's playing for bowl eligibility. They got they got two wins to go from Texas State, Arkansas State, and Louisiana. Uh, they have LSU on there, but they're not being LSU. Um, so, I mean, they're still – they got—they ULM's still a team that's playing for something. Tyler Vitt uh, might start again because uh, according to practice – according to Drew King over at the Daily Record, he was taking snaps with the ones, and McBride was kind of doing 11-on-11 stuff. Um and Ty Evans was taking snaps with the two, so you might start your backup quarterback again. Uh, Don Corey Hill, the athletic director, we were talking about athletic directors, he released a statement after the, U- uh, the Louisiana loss basically saying, yeah, we kind of want to win. That loss kind of sucked, and it was kind of a weird like, vote of confidence but also kind of vague statement about Jake Spavitt on the program, so I don't know. It was nice to see some transparency, but that was kind of weird too, so I honestly don't know why ULM's favored <laughs> or uh, why Texas State's favored.
1: I feel, you know, I look at lines all the time. Like, when they come out, that's, like, a thing I do. It probably speaks to my lifestyle. <laughs> right. um, but, you know, when I saw this, it was like, man, what does Vegas know? Like, is there, like, COVID stuff going on with ULM? Like, is there some injuries that I don't know about with Louisiana Monroe? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, to your point, why in the world is Texas State favored? <laughs> right. um,
2: I yeah, double checked this. I promise. Texas State is. Yeah, better. Yeah. <laughs>
1: no, no. And I mean, even like ESPN's Power uh-huh. or Football Power Index has Texas State at like a 63% chance to win this game. So, you know, obviously people think a little bit differently of Texas State than, than we do. Maybe we just have, have been watching them too much and not watching enough of Louisiana Monroe to know that they're equally as bad or something. But right. my question for Ish is is this team better right now with Tyler Vitt at quarterback with his ability to kind of like half scheduled runs and use some of that offensively? Uh, do you think that gives them a better chance to kind of stick in some of these games?
0: Maybe. Um, I mean, it's hard to say based off last week, just cause they got pummeled. Um, but you did see more effectiveness in the design runs as opposed to McBride. Who's not, he's not a, a, a runner. He's a scrambler, but not a runner. Um, so Maybe. I mean, if that's something they want to do is lean on the run, right, that's a possibility. Uh, I'm really curious to see how that looks against a Monroe as opposed to a team that they're just not on the level with, like Louisiana. So I think people just want to see something different. I think they're kind of tired of seeing the screen game and kind of Brady McBride running around. As much as I still think he's the best option they have at quarterback, I understand people wanting to see something different. So.
1: And then for the that vote of confidence, I think
0: the thing that, that was really weird.
1: stuck out to me was the cost of attendance submission. Yeah,
0: yeah. <sighs> Yes, I could <laughs> You know me, I can go off about stuff like this, but basically Don Coriel, for those of you that haven't read it yet, you can read it on their Twitter page. Uh, Don Coriel basically said he's committed to to giving the full cost of tennis to athletes, which Larry Tice, the former athletic director, said in twenty sixteen. So either he just straight up lied <laughs> or actually no there is no or he just probably straight up lied about doing the full <laughs> cost of attendance which is insane i don't know if don correa like meant to like admit that and meant to like actually say that about his uh former uh, uh predecessor of that his predecessor but that's kind of insane <laughs> that, that they've been going they haven't been giving athletes the full cost of attendance
1: well and it, it kind of gives you know all his staff and the way he's been recruiting kind of a little bit of of more context as well in my opinion it makes a little bit more sense of kind of what they're hamstrung with if that is the case behind closed doors because like you said you know for public why I mean we thought that was all taken care of like I thought that was something that had already changed it just seemed to be another smoke and mirrors pool by by Tice
0: yep so yeah uh, we're gonna be talking more about Texas State probably off the field than on the field heading into this offseason so (laughs) what's next
2: TCU hosting Baylor this weekend. You can watch this game at two thirty p.m. on Fox. Baylor is favored by only six and a half.
0: Yeah, that was my first question. That seems to be undervaluing Baylor a little bit. So I feel like this game's always a trap game, though.
2: You know, but you know, this is TCU's first game coaching without Gary Patterson. Twenty years, like right. So
0: I'm wondering, like Craven, is this kind of a trap from Vegas? Do you think? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's at TCU. This is a rivalry game. Mm-hmm. I don't think people trust Baylor's offense to score enough points to blow teams out. I mean, the over-under is only 58. Mm-hmm. And so I think they see this as like a 28-20 to 20 type game, yeah. you know, that that could get you know into the 30s. Maybe kind of like the Baylor-Texas game last week. I think, you know, they kind of see it in a similar way where Baylor's just kind of slowly grind teams more than blow them out. Um, I spent yesterday at at Baylor self plug here. We're going to have an Abram Smith feature coming out. I was able to talk to him. And one of the things that stuck out to me in that interview is I asked him, you know, you have Oklahoma in two weeks. How do you not look over, overlook this TCU team? And I found it interesting that he compared this TCU team to Baylor last year. Where when Mm. you watch on tape, it's like, that guy's a dude, that guy's a dude, that guy's a dude, but for whatever reason, they're just not putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Baylor's been able to put that together this week. And so he kind of compared it to them last week to where they weren't a or last year, where Baylor wasn't a bad team, but they were losing, you know, games that maybe they shouldn't have lost that they're now winning this game because they've figured out how to put it together. Baylor doesn't want to be the team that tcu figures it out against and Mm -hmm. so i I mean i think baylor rolls here they're they're a team that i've been behind you know pretty much the whole season
0: yeah i think so i mean baylor's been just kind of you mentioned it with uh kind of embodying their head coach kind of cool calm and collected all year um i believe there's still no word on if zach evans is going to play or not uh the only i guess the only other thing is would be you mentioned with oklahoma being next week but it's a downtrodden TCU program right now. I know Jerry kills a very respected guy in, in college football and then definitely in that locker room, but I still think it's big, big uh, ask of them. I do think there might be a big win on the horizon for this team. Um, Cause again, Jerry kill seems like that guy that could muster like a random upset win over like an Oklahoma state, but I don't see it happening against this Baylor team, especially with the way they play. So.
1: Uh, yeah. And that, that's the thing that, that kind of strikes me about like what TCU does really well offensively is what or what Baylor does really well offensively is what TCU struggled to stop. Right. right. And so I, I would imagine Baylor just pounds them into submission on Saturday is the way I look at it. And what You know, what's interesting to me as an old man is I would I would think about 75% of both players on these teams weren't even born the last time Gary Patterson wasn't yeah. on the sideline TCU. So, I mean, it's just a real kind of eerie game. But, I mean, mm-hmm. Gary Patterson – and Bailey like that rivalry was a big deal for a long time. And he got, you know, and now he's not there and it just kinda of gives this whole game a different vibe than it would have had, you know, maybe last year or the year before.
0: It's definitely gonna be weird to see. Jerry do y'all think Kill he'll be
2: up? actually do you think he'll be at the game, Gary Patterson? Oh no. No, no, no. He's not going I think to... he's gonna
0: separate himself for a little bit. Yeah. Um yeah. if he is uh involved in TCU for in the future, I don't think it'll be probably for the rest of this year. Yeah. After, I think he's gonna take a little Little break, he seems like the guy that's like putting salt in the wound, yeah. Yeah, I think he's like he's the guy that's like he wants a clean break for a little bit, Mm -hmm. have some time, and then uh, and then come back when the time is right. Or apparently, some people think he could coach again, which will be really weird to see if that happens. So
1: Texas State head coach, Gary
0: Patterson. (laughs) All right, we'll talk about that later. Um, (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Moving on. What do we got next?
2: We got a really good one next. Texas A&M hosting Auburn this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. You can watch this game on CBS. And Texas A&M is favored by four and a half. I would have never guessed that I would be saying that against Auburn for A&M. Because it's funny. At the beginning of the season, we were talking about A&M as as a playoff caliber team, right? They had those two bad losses to Arkansas and Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Right, yep. we were like, okay, this team's not going anywhere. Yeah, this not team's going. Done. Right. Then they go out and beat Alabama, mm-hmm. and it's like we're talking about them. If they win this game and they win next week against Ole Miss, they may be in the running for winning the SEC West.
0: There. So here's a that's it's fascinating because, yeah, Alabama's. I think Alabama's also going to be rooting for a in this game because this this helps their playoff case too. Right. Because if they because if if, if Auburn beats a right then there's that little like weird thing about the iron bowl playing into mm-hmm. right and all of a sudden right. it's it's always weird when the iron bowl like can go either way it's always like one of those like weird scenarios um, but if AM beats auburn that that makes LS, uh, bama's loss look a little bit better mm-hmm. right cuz it's like oh uh, ms actually pretty good right. so their right. one loss is to a pretty good team but yeah for A M, all of a sudden they're kind of back in something Into the yeah, question yeah they're back in something pretty interesting now i will say Bo Nix has had a quietly decent season mm-hmm. um the past couple of years he's been kind of the one of the quarter one of the highly touted recruited quarterbacks that that didn't quite live up to where his billing was uh this year he's been very okay he's nine touchdowns two picks hundred uh, about hundreds thousand uh, seven hundred yards passing and he hasn't turned the ball over really is the big thing but Auburn's rushing attack as a whole has kind of been what they've hinged on. They're averaging uh, about five and a half yards a carry. Uh, Their running backs, Bigsby and uh, Hunter, are, both have over 500 yards. And I think Hunter has is averaging roughly like almost eight yards a carry. Like that's going to be a big test because the last time AM went up against a team that could run the ball pretty damn well was Arkansas. <laughs> and I'm curious to see. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious to see now what. This a And M defense looks like against you know this uh, this rushing attack because I think this this Auburn offense or this Auburn defense isn't an Auburn defense that we're used to seeing. It's not the terrorizing front seven that we that we've been used to seeing. They're pretty, they're still very good, but I if a And M can stick to their game plan of getting the run going, having Zach Calzada hit moderate to to kind of more developed pass plays uh, or set up pass plays, I should say. I think they'll be okay on that side of the ball, but to me, it's going to be, does this defense have another lapse against the run like it did against Arkansas?
1: Yeah, I mean, not to get too simplistic or whatever, but this definitely feels like a game that if we looked at the box score and could see who for, ran for more yards yeah. and maybe averaged more yards per carry, we'd, we'll know who won. You know, this is going to be about which front seven on defense plays better, which offensive line plays better. You know, for me, it almost felt like A&M's bye week came at the worst possible time. You know, I I know nine weeks into the season, everyone needs a break. So I I get that part. But just from a momentum standpoint, they had finally figured it out. You know, they beat Alabama. They blow out Missouri. They blow out South Carolina. They're just on a roll. That bye week, maybe it stunts a little bit of that momentum. Um, And then it comes down, you know. Will Jimbo Fisher and the staff stick with the game plan that's worth the last three wins compared to the one they had previously? And uh, I hope Isaiah Spiller, Devon A. Chain, you know, we look down, and they have at least 40 carries because if they do, I think Texas, a- Texas A&M wins this game. And this is a very they're very important two weeks for Texas A&M. If they're 8-2 and two coming out of the Auburn and Ole Miss games, we're looking at a 10-win season like you guys talked about possible chance into the SEC championship game and and things get salvaged in a way we didn't think was possible a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. if they lose one or one of two of these games or if they lose this one and then they go on the road against Ole Miss and lose that one then it's eight and four and it's back to kind of that Alabama game maybe just being an aberration so I think this game is a big test for A&M to kind of prove that they're more the team that beat Alabama Mm -hmm. and less the team that lost to Mississippi State and Arkansas.
0: Yeah, I wonder if if they had a chance to rearrange their schedule after Bama that they would have. You mentioned the bye week. I think also those those two opponents were kind of the two worst opponents to come after Bama because, like, what did we learn about them versus Missouri and South Carolina? I think game plan-wise, you realize that they know that running the ball is the way, but I think they would have liked that LSU game maybe somewhere in there, and LSU's not great this year, but I feel like that would be just a little step up of a challenge to see, like, okay, they really do have something rolling here as opposed to them just squashing bad teams and then getting the bye, so. um, But yeah, you mentioned it, Mallory, their path. I mean, if they beat Auburn, that's t- they're basically – they have to hope Bama drops one, which, again, the Iron Bowl coming up, so mm-hmm. who knows if, they, if that happens. And then they're right back in the discussion. Of course, they have to beat Ole Miss too. But if they win this week, then, yeah, all of a sudden they're playing for something again like we potentially they, they would be.
2: They may be playing Georgia at the SEC Championship. <laughs> oh, oh,
0: man. <laughs> and, and it's going to be a sellout. Yeah. Uh, they yep, sent yeah. out that email
1: earlier today. You know, Kyle Fields sold out. You know, when that place is rocking, that's one of the hardest places in the nation to play. So having this one at home, I think, also plays an A&M's yeah. favor, given this being pretty much a toss-up game between two teams that mirror each other in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm.
0: What's next?
2: Next, we have Rice playing at Charlotte this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. You can watch this game on ESPN+. Plus. Charlotte's favored by six points.
0: <sighs> okay. Um, I'll say something nice about – or I guess something in Rice's favor – uh, Charlotte's been rocked the last two se- the last two uh, games, uh, I believe. Let me see if I can bring their schedule up really fast. They've gotten pummeled by Western Kentucky and Florida Atlantic, 38-9 mm-hmm. uh, to nine against FAU, and then 45-13 the past two weeks to, get, uh, to last week against uh, Western Kentucky. So I know that Chris Reynolds, our starting quarterback, has been hurt. He was hurt last week against Western Kentucky, and he's – their backup was not very good at all. I believe he only threw for 129 yards, and uh, Reynolds has been thrown for roughly 200-ish uh, per game throughout the year. So if he's not good to go, uh um, Good thing for Rice is Constantine is apparently the guy for now because Green is still uh-huh. out, and Constantine's been pretty good when he's been at quarterback. They've found some semblance of a passing attack. Um, when, of course, the issue comes – Always for Rice when next season comes around, who's going to be the quarterback. But for now, he seems to be pretty solid. So I think that – I don't know if – I'd say they cover. I'm going to say they cover. I don't know if they go out right. I still don't know the status of Chris Reynolds at quarterback. But I think Rice has a little glimmer of something going.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're averaging over 30 points a game with Reynolds in there at quarterback and they're averaging 11 in the last two without him. So mm-hmm. it, it does feel like that team hinges completely on the quarterback. If he's not playing, you know, I expect rice to cover last time they were on the road and playing a team that was supposedly this much better than them. They, they played really well. Um, so I expect them to, to play a good football team, and it just comes down to how explosive Charlotte's offense is. If if they're missing their starting quarterback, this could be an ugly game where, where Rice keeps it within you know six points and is able to cover pretty easily, maybe even threaten to, to pull the upset. If, if Reynolds does play, though, I think Charlotte just has too much to wear. Even if Constantine's pretty good and moves the ball, they're just not going to be able to keep up.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. What's next, Miller?
2: Up next, we have Texas playing at Ohio. Not, excuse me, Iowa State. Ooh. Not getting <laughs> there yet. Almost terrified Not getting every there long. I listening. Uh, <laughs> this Saturday at six thirty p.m., you can watch this game on FS1, and Iowa State is favored by six and a half. Okay.
1: This feels. Yeah. Uh, this feels. You know, when you when you z- when people are zigging, you zag with Texas, right? When mm-hmm. the fan base is feeling really good, as a gambler, you go. It's like the Cowboys, actually. Yeah. You go. You go. You fade the public, and right <laughs> now. Everybody is jumping off that Texas bandwagon, obviously, for, for clear reasons. I think they play, you know, maybe their best game of football this year. This is, this is upset special for me. If I'm mm-hmm. Iowa State, I think this Texas team is about as dangerous as it can get. Because there's not – the Longhorns play their best when nobody expects anything of them. Mm-hmm. They've done that for the last five, six, seven years. So uh, I think this could be a game where they kind of turn it around and put together a, a four-quarter effort.
0: I guess my question is <clears> – <throat> is this the game that do you think we possibly see a switch at quarterback? Uh,
1: He was asked that. And what he said was he, you know, he didn't get as much time as he would have liked to kind of parse through that battle between Mm. those two guys. And he had never seen either one of them play, you know, live, but once he's made the decision, he wants to stick with the decision and he, in his career, He's never been a guy who likes to rotate quarterbacks in and out once he's kind of like made uh, the, the, the decision. So I think he views this as Casey Thompson's team. And I also think he views him and Casey as like a unit now where they're sure. they're in this thing together as coach and quarterback. I know that he doesn't want to shake that confidence. Sarkeesian's a former quarterback. He know he knows what that can do. He also knows what the transfer portal, portal is and, and how that can get tricky as well. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I guess if the offense is, you know, struggling like it was against Arkansas, and they find themselves down, you know, thirty-five to fourteen, you know, maybe we see Hudson get a, a full fourth quarter, and he can build enough momentum to, to make this a, a competition again. Mm-hmm. If it's a close game, though. I think Sark rides with Casey and, and understands that there's not much he can ask the quarterback to do behind that offensive line that he's not already asking.
0: Yeah. Uh, one stat that uh, Danny Davis threw out that I thought was really interesting. Iowa state is not allowed a 60 yard play this season. One of 22 teams in the country. Uh, of course, Texas has lived off of big plays, especially to Xavier worthy and from Bijan Robinson. Do you think that changes? Do you think they find a crack in the seam?
1: It yeah, I, mean, I, I think Worthy and, and Bajan are too good to be held in check for for two games in a row or for a full game like that. I think they get their shot plays. Uh, for me, for Texas, it's the consistency, it's the boomer bust. Yes, that's being crushing them. They're either scoring on two or three play drives or they're going three and out and both of those scenarios puts a lot of pressure and a lot of total plays on that defense and they've just been running out of gas so uh to me the key isn't necessarily the the big plays it's the sustained drives can texas put together a 9 10 11 play drive they haven't proven capable of doing that Mm -hmm. Uh, doing that i think would be uh, a bigger win for them than popping off two or three big plays
0: sure and I realize I've gone this far without mentioning uh, some other news that happened in the, the the world of Texas earlier in the week uh, involving a monkey, but we'll just kind of leave it at that. Uh, we don't <laughs> if, have to mention if that. You <laughs> haven't, if you haven't caught up on that whole thing, please, there's some very good uh, detailed uh, 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 accounts going on um, on Twitter, or the, I think even SI.com had like a very interesting breakdown of it, but Anyway, Halloween Monkey involving a special teams coordinator. <laughs> Got to check it out. It's worth your time because that was uh, some pretty fun entertainment uh, going if, on. It, yeah. If you have
1: anybody in your life that doesn't know or care about football at all, recite well, to them there. that story and yes. then look at the confusion on their face. Like yes. there's so many different things that are confusing about that story if you have no football context because it's confusing even if you have football. Oh, 100%. Context. You start. You start throwing in like, no, it's like the Texas special teams, you know, and you're just like, what? What are you even talking <laughs> about? Like, why does he have a monkey? Like, right. so, uh, so, yeah, Jerry I'll, Springer's involved. It was good. Yeah, Jerry Springer's oh, randomly involved.
0: Yeah, I'll just say, I'll just, I'll wrap it up really quickly for everybody, so we can just get it out there. Uh, allegedly, Jeff Banks at Jeff Banks's house, they had a maze for Halloween. Yeah, and he lives there with his girlfriend. The monkey belongs to his girlfriend, right? And there's some other accounts that go that go into more detail about like his personal life and all that. That's not what's interesting to me. Uh, that's not really what's uh, at all really uh, <laughs> details that don't need to be mentioned. Again, you can find that stuff. It's all over the internet. But the interesting part is so allegedly they were letting neighbor the neighborhood kids come through the the house uh-huh. and all this stuff, and so they're apparently the monkey was in the backyard away from where the maze was because what the account says basically is that a kid got bit by the monkey and from the account, it makes it seem like the monkey was just walk around the backyard (laughs) and around the maze, according to the girlfriend. And the reason why we know this is because she hopped on Twitter (laughs) (laughs) and started defending herself saying no. So, okay, let me back up a little bit. Uh, The tweet comes out. Everybody's like, is this real? What's happening? (laughs) And then before anybody even confirms it, uh, his girlfriend, I believe Danielle Thomas, is her name. Uh, goes on Twitter and she's like, "That kid shouldn't have even been in the backyard." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, it's like, whoa, well, hold on, you're you're yeah. confirming this. So uh, she ends up taking, uh, showing a video of like the the cage where the monkey was in yep. the backyard. It was to her Bennett, to her defense, away behind a gate. The so, video was so per- funny. Yeah, and like so has its own has its own little environment, and so like according to her, the kid somehow got through that through the backyard through the back uh, gate. To the cage, and allegedly the monkey bit him through the as he tried to like reach through and pet the monkey or something. So it's crazy. Kid's Appa- fault. Moral of the story. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, moral of the story is kid's mm. fault. Watch your kids. But uh, hope
1: there's the kids two. Up, there's obviously. two type of kids in the world. There's, yeah. There's kids who hear there's a monkey back behind that back fence <laughs> and refuse to go back there. Right. and then There's kids who hear there's a monkey back behind that fence and have to go back. Take there. full
0: advantage of yes, that. Yes, I absolutely
1: the was the kid who was going to get bit by that. My- <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's probably me too. So one thing I do have to say is for Jeff Banks and for uh, the the Texas staff, that practice just has to be open season on you. Yeah. It you have it, it's out there on Twitter. You can't it can't be don't release a statement. I'm not saying that. I'm saying let your players have at you for a practice, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Let them get get let them go at you because it's gonna be weird if you don't talk about it. So yeah. to me, I hope that first practice afterward. Deshaun Jamison was giving them a little bit of jokes. Cameron Dicker was giving it. Let let the players have at you for a bit and then say, okay, after this, we're all done. Right? No more. No more of this talk. Whatever. Right. But no, I, I I would lean into it and play it up a little bit because it's funny. Come on. It's hilarious. It is so. funny. Yeah. <laughs> right, it's a good,
1: you got to addre- address the monkey in the room in that
0: situation. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. That's going right. to be
2: the headline of the arc. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Perfect. All right. So we got two more games. What's next, Mallory? Up next,
2: Houston will play at South Florida this Saturday at six thirty PM. You can watch this game on ESPNU and Houston is favored by thirteen. Yeah. Uh, game.
1: Trap
0: game. Trap
2: really? USF sucks. I almost had man. that on here, but I was like, Yeah, they're not
0: they're not good. USF kinda sucks, man. I wanna say trap game, but I'm also like, I don't know. <laughs> they are coming off
2: that big one against SMU. I can see how it can be labeled as a trap game, That's but fair. South Florida is
0: just bad. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm wondering, like, uh, look at, I was looking at their schedule. They haven't won a game where they've given up more than 20. Mm-hmm. Like, that's nuts to me. Yeah. Not a single game. Uh, Craven, are you are you willing to go trap game on this, actually, or are you just? Well, I mean, by trap game, I mean not covering 13. Oh, okay, there you go. Right. <laughs> Vegas you know, like trap game. And
1: an ugly, sloppy game where we look into the fourth quarter, and it's like, man, Houston's only up by 10. Yeah. You know, like that. It's one of those kind of games. Yeah, I don't think they're in much threat to lose the game because, as you pointed out, if you can score over 20 against South Florida, you're going to win. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like one of these games where you got to go all the way out to Florida after you just played a big game at home. You know, maybe you don't get the special teams play you got at home. Maybe Clayton Toon's not as sharp as he was. We don't know if Alton McCaskill's healthy. He probably is not going to play. And so it's just one of those things where. I can see this being a weird, ugly game where Houston doesn't lose. But if you're a better betting 13 and going, oh, South Florida stinks, they're going to win by at least two touchdowns. I'm not quite so sure.
0: Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Makes sense. All righty, Mallory, main event. Let's go. What do we got?
2: The one everybody's been waiting for. Mm -hmm. UTEP is hosting UTSA at the Sun Bowl this Saturday at 9.15 p.m., you can watch this game on ESPN2, and UTSA is favored by 11. All I'm saying, if I'm Jeff Trailer, I'm having my kids out practicing at 9.15 every single night because that's a late game for them. That's really that late. That is
0: very late. And that's a good point. Yeah, that's, that a, is, that's a good point. That's going to be something because I – mean, You're finishing that game cha- at
2: 11.30, yeah, you Yeah, know? I mean, the time changes is something.
0: Like, you know, taking a trip out to El Paso, you're just like, geez, your body clock's it's, just like randomly yep, off. Yep. Like, it, yeah, I could – I could definitely see that. Yeah, you're, you're kicking off at 10, you know, your time right. when you're used to. So, yeah, I mean, that's well, – I guess it would be – it's 9 our time, I guess. it's That's, mm-hmm. that's central mm-hmm. time that you just named. But still, I I understand that point. I will say it's funny that we were, we've were we been hyping up this game, and then Vegas is like, boom, UTSA UCA minus 11. 11 right? like <laughs> Double-digit favorite. What do you like about that now? Um, I still think this will be a very good game. Um, I do think this is Vegas being a little bit skeptical about UTEP. Um, I think they, one, I think they like UTSA. That's that's first and foremost. Uh-huh. But I do think that they worry about UTEP's ability to match UTSA if this gets a little bit up and down. If UTSA hits a couple big plays, goes up 21-3, 21-0, 21-7 even, I think they worry about UTEP's ability to kind of keep pace with that. And so I think that's where that line comes from. Um, I don't think UTSA covers that. I think UTEP covers because that defense, I do that. I do think that defense is pretty good. They're not good against the run, and I think I'm wondering if UTSA kind of. Well, actually, no, they are good. Sorry, they are they are great against the run. They're they're okay against the pass, and I'm wondering if they kind of use that as a chance to give Frank Harris uh, another one of his showcase games.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a Frank Harris showcase game if UTSA wants to get out of there with a you know 11 point or more win. I, right. I kind of see this as a dogfight as well, just because I really do think that UTEP defense is really good. You know, I honestly don't think it matters all that much like the result of the game for UTEP. Mm -hmm. What I'm what I'm impressed by is the fact that this is that this even matters. Yeah. Right. Like before the season started, you know, we we were looking. Okay, week 10, we're going to be talking about these games. We point to Texas A&M, Auburn, TCU, Baylor, you know texas iowa state like i wouldn't be at utep utsa i wouldn't be able to convince my bosses to fly Mm -hmm. me out there to go watch that game but the fact that utep and utsa have played this well all throughout the year to make this game such a big deal to where it got moved to espn2 where there was even rumblings of of college game Game day day. going out there Mm -hmm. i just think is a great sign for where this minors program is and it's just it's going to be a a good great atmosphere in el paso and one that you know that's a that's a place that needs it right it's a it's a place that hasn't had it you know in a a few years and it should be a a fun loud game at night under the lights it it might get weird and uh just the fact that this game a game at utep matters in week 10 is is a big important step for this program
0: yeah and i think that I mean, with all the co- the talk of conference realignment and things like that, it's it was easy to kind of take that as like a big dampening mood for the program, right? Where it's like, oh, geez, they're getting left out of realignment. They got left out of the AAC. You know, Conference USA seems to be kind of scrambling here. And uh, to me, Saturday should be a time where we don't think about that, where we just think about, like, let's figure, we'll f- worry about the future when it comes, right? We'll worry about that when it happens right now UTep's playing good football right now UTep's playing relevant football and they're hosting a, t- a ranked team in the Sun Bowl and it's going to be hyped and i'm i'm really excited i really hope that the Sun Bowl's packing um UTSA's going to travel so it's going to be uh, <laughs> if, if the Sun Bowl's not packing there's going to be some fans cheering there for for some team yeah. <laughs> um, cuz you know saying uh, UTSA's going to going to show out but no i agree i think that i think that they're going to play with a big passion especially on defense um I've mentioned before how this offense is predicated on big plays so I think they're going to try to channel that a little bit too because they know that Justin Garrett and Jacob Cowing is that that's where their big play and that's where their momentum kind of lies is those deep plays so I wouldn't be surprised if they come out and try to punch UTSA in the mouth right now the thing about UTSA is that they can take it Mm -hmm. and they'll be able to respond but I would not be shocked to see if UTEP comes out and tries to go with a haymaker early Um, whether it's You know, a big blitz on third down or a deep shot early on first or second down on the first drive or something like something big because they know this is the most important home game in God, how long? Like, I'm seriously trying to remember when the last time UTEP hosted a game one on ESPN2, but also uh, this magnitude Mm -hmm. with both teams were as playing as well as both these teams are.
1: Yeah, and i think that's a double-edged sword right like yeah. i think if you if you're utsa you got to really worry about looking up at the scoreboard and being down 14-3 like 10 minutes into the game because mm-hmm. you've allowed a turnover and a couple big plays or something like that and if you're utep you got to worry about sustaining that energy for four quarters and not just shooting your wad mm-hmm. in the first you know quarter and not having anything left to go after that so right. uh, i think both coaches are probably addressing their teams and kind of talking about the energy in this game and what it's going to feel like and just kind of the emotional swings that can happen in some of these types of games Um, because it is going to be a bigger showcase, honestly, for both programs than what Mm -hmm. they're used to. A night game on ESPN2 where most of the rest of the day is done. If this game is close in the second half basically every eyeball that cares about college football is going to turn towards this game, you know, in the third, fourth quarter, that's a big deal. Like even if they don't want to address it, like that's a big, big deal. And so emotion and just keeping that in check and playing with it instead of playing against it is going to be a a big concern and kind of like one of those behind the scenes storylines that plays out in this game because UTEP, if they can start fast, should be able to capitalize on a lot of that momentum.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree, and I cannot wait. Texas football after dark, we don't get it very often, so uh-huh. thank you UTEP for being in that little sliver of the time zone that allows it to happen, so I'm very excited. Uh, some news it's did co- break up. Uh, it's, cool
1: it's cool to see some bowl like projections go out there, and you're like looking through them and stuff, and you like see UTEP's mask, you know, you're kind yeah, like, uh-huh. of you know, like, what? what? <laughs> no, okay, yeah, no, that's right. No, they are. They're, they're supposed to be there.
0: Yeah, uh, some news did break during the show pete thamel from yahoo did report that conference usa has officially invited liberty jacksonville state new mexico state and sam houston to join the league uh he says the potential of paying a two million dollar entrance fee appears to be the last major issue for those programs so we'll see that'll probably be resolved within the next week or so um so that's a nice little closer to that segment yeah
2: Um, we may be able to talk about a 13th fbs texas team jeez next year yeah or, well that, in a couple years yeah.
0: yeah that'll that'll mean another full page in the ma- that'll be weird like doing like a full offensive and defensive yep. breakdown of, of sam houston if that happens so yeah that'll be kind of interesting because of course they only get a the fcs programs only get a page in the magazine mm-hmm. that, they'll be getting a full breakdown recruiting craven you'll be doing a full recruiting breakdown of <laughs> sam houston can't can't wait <laughs>
1: I'm retired from the recruiting game, I thought.
0: (laughs) Well, we can always change that again. No, it's fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, but uh, yeah, no, so that that news, we'll see where that goes. Uh, We'll probably won't do an emergency podcast about that just because there's not much to say uh, after the big dominoes already fell, so we'll kind of probably just mention that on the next show uh, if that does end up happening in between. Anyway, that'll do it for us. We'll be back on the Sunday show to recap all of this, probably like... I don't know, six hours after the <laughs> yeah. UTSA game ends. So uh, we'll running talk to you Running on coffee. Guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> running on coffee. We'll talk to you guys then.